following the sermon this morning, as was introduced last week, there will be an opportunity for prayer. And so as we speak of the Lord's touch this morning and his willingness to touch, and it's the touch of, of, uh, of omnipotence, uh, there will be opportunity as we sing our final song this morning for you to come and have someone pray with you. Reading from the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 1, verse 40. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him. and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. The word of the Lord. May we understand it as well as it understands us. What a thing it would have been to be a part of the crowd, to watch this unclean man approaching Jesus, probably verbally saying unclean, according to the rules and the laws and the restrictions that bound him in his physical condition. What a thing it would have been to witness, to wonder the response and this interaction between Jesus and a leper, and to hear that moment when in answer to everybody's question, the Lord says, I will. I will. Imagine the joy in our Lord to say those words. Have you ever helped somebody with, with power that's just, or ability or means that, that is just completely outside of their realm, but the Lord, for some reason, somehow, for whatever, how has given it for you to give. Imagine what the Lord has to give. Imagine the excitement and the enthusiasm of the servant of the Lord who begins to show God's people what he has come to do for them and to be able to say, well, maybe, well, I might, maybe come back tomorrow, but instead, I will. It's marvelous. Not only to the leper, but I'm sure in the, in the soul and spirit of our Lord full of the Holy Spirit to be able to say, I will. 
and to follow through with, with the touch. Dramatic moment, but as dramatic as that I will is, is the astonishing result that in all of his deformity and all of the things that go along with that physical uncleanness and the smells and the looks and everything, Mark records that he was immediately made clean. This is in the day before CGI when, you know, we're so used to seeing things on a computer screen that don't happen really. But this happened really. And then the story takes a surprising turn. It isn't, well, go tell everybody uh, the good news of what Jesus has done for you. Make sure your neighbors know. Make sure your parents know. Make sure your kids know. It, 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 it takes a, a, a surprising turn when Jesus says, go away and don't tell anyone except Moses. Go and tell Moses what Jesus has done for you. The, the, the message there is that the new Moses has come. The reason that Jesus would ultimately be betrayed and crucified and killed, put on the cross, would be the cumulative growth of the jealousy of the Pharisees and the religious leaders of his popularity with the crowds. And it was not yet Jesus' time. And so instead of traveling amongst the crowds or going amongst the crowd, proclaiming what Jesus had done for him, which would eventually, as I say, spur the jealousy of the religious leaders to kill him, it was not yet. It was not yet. Not as a general rule for Christians to not tell what Jesus has done for us, but in the unique life and ministry of our Lord, it was time for this man to be quiet. I can't imagine if there was a stir caused when Jesus touched this man, there must have also been a stir caused at the temple. The Gospel of John records an amazing story of a man coming to the temple who's been clean, who's been healed. And they do all kind of examination and checking him out. Like, well, are you sure that's the same person? Better call the parents. And there's all kinds of, of stirring and consternation that goes on at the temple. How did this happen to you? What is going on? And of course, the message for anybody who knows the Bible, their Old Testament stories, that, that there, there is only one way that people are healed of leprosy. And it's when Yahweh shows up. There is nobody else who heals leprosy. As God put it on the lips of a young Hebrew slave in Syria to Naaman. There is a God in Israel who can heal you. That's the message of the temple. That's the God that has shown up. And then the man is an example of my life and of your life and all of the wondrous things that the Lord does do for him to cleanse him and to heal him. There is yet a residual falling, <clears throat> a residual, and sometimes in my case, more than just a little bit of residual falling, but a residual folly, and he takes it upon himself to disobey the Lord 
and thinks, takes it in his hand to do what he thinks best by his own wisdom, <clears throat> comparing the wisdom of the creature with the wisdom of the maker. But he takes it upon himself to do what he thinks would be best. And it's no surprise that his folly resides first and foremost in that little muscle of the mouth that is impossible to control called the tongue. And that is where so much folly resides, residual folly. Yes, we're cleansed. Yes, we're clean. Yes, the Lord loves us. And yet, so much to be forgiven of. So much folly yet still within us. And the story records that the folly has a consequence, a very serious consequence, in that his actions change something. They alter the crowd's access to the Lord, which is a profound consequence of someone's disobedience where Jesus was driven into remote places and people had to come from him, to him from all quarters. Mark records a story that is true, but more importantly, he uses a true story to proclaim. And what the story proclaims to us is the gospel. And that's why we read these stories, not simply to learn history, but to have the gospel declared to us. I read through the gospels twice every year. If I could, I would more. It's not because I forget the stories or I want to know more about what Jesus did. I want to know more about the gospel and what Jesus has done for me. And there's something that is proclaimed to us. You think of, of Mark saying that Jesus came proclaiming the gospel of God. And the gospel of God brings people into the kingdom of God. This is a story that proclaims the gospel of God in a way that we need to understand the gospel and how it brings us into the kingdom of God. And so when Jesus is proclaiming, it's not only with his teaching and his proclamation with his with his words, but also in his deeds. He's proclaiming the gospel through this story. We know how significant human touch can be. What would it look like to be touched by God? If a human touch is significant, how much more so is the divine touch. And that's what the gospel does. It touches us, if we will let it. It is significant when people live without any human touch. But how much more significant is it for someone to live without the touch of the Almighty? Here's the main point that I'd like to get through this morning. If you don't get anything else from the story this morning, I hope you get this. 
that through this story of cleansing, Mark, the author, and the power of the Spirit is proclaiming to us the gospel of God. And it's that gospel that brings us into the kingdom. Jesus, who is God Almighty, clearly in this story, the power to heal instantly, is willing, don't ever forget this, is willing. Did you forget it? He is willing <laughs> to touch. Well, we are still yet unclean and untouchable if we will humble ourselves and implore him and ask. I wish to work through three words this morning about that willingness in God, that willingness of the Almighty, that divine willingness to touch, that he willingly touches us with pity, It says that Jesus has moved in the deepest part of his body. That he touches us with power. It's an astonishing touch in what it accomplishes with power. And he touches us with purpose. And the purpose is seen by the, being sent to the temple. It wasn't for him, it wasn't the purpose to simply feel clean it was the purpose of God that he be declared clean. Not that he, th just to think that he's clean, but to be told that he was clean. That's the purpose. And it's remarkable. But first of all, pity. There is a willingness in the Almighty, in our maker, the one who made all things. The Lord made this man. The Lord made this leper. There is a willingness in the maker to touch the creature that he has himself has fashioned with pity. Pity is a strong word. And I'm going to continue using it. Other translations might use a word like compassion, but I'm going to use the word pity because it is so very, very strong. And I, and I, I want to set the truth before us using that word and its strength of pity. It is not only a strong word because it, it describes a very strong emotion. It's one thing to speak to somebody and says, yeah, that, that's really too bad. It's, it's, a, it's another thing to sit across from somebody and hear something going on in their life and feel something in the deepest part of you that is awakened. You can physically feel it. Imagine that in the Almighty. Imagine the grace that is delivered through the divine feeling towards the unclean. But it is also a strong word because it is, in my personal little mind, it is a very objectionable word that I personally have an aversion to and strongly dislike, and you might share my sentiment of that. I hate pity. If I'm in circumstances where I think it's going to evoke pity in somebody, I'll shut down. 
And to receive pity from somebody simply makes me more angry at my circumstances that would put me in that position. So it's a strong word. Pity is what the sinner needs. Nothing less than pity. And yes, it puts us in a relationship with God that deals with our pride to show us that we come humbly with nothing in circumstances that are absolutely dependent upon the pity of God. That's what the leper was like. That is what the sinner is like. He was in a condition as we are before God Almighty. Of having to come to Jesus in a condition that was truly pitiable. If you wish to imagine what sin looks like on the inside, there's Imagine or know and see what leprosy looks like on the outside. And some of you feel that on the inside. You think, if people knew what I looked like on the inside, they wouldn't touch me. But the greater question is not, will any human touch me? Will God touch me? is the greater question. And that is where the gospel of God begins, with that humbling, that sense of necessity, that sense of dependence on something in the divine that is moved. The gospel is proclaimed here, but listen to it carefully. The gospel is not Make yourself clean and and God will touch you. Many people understand that to be the gospel. It is a false gospel. And false gospels thrive in the church. The problem with a false gospel is that the false gospel cannot bring you into the kingdom of God. Only the gospel of God can bring us into the kingdom of God. And so if we come to Jesus in any other way, thinking our condition is anything but this, but if in the need of God's pity upon us, but it is not make yourself clean and God will touch you. The gospel is that God is willing to touch something that is unclean. Why? Why is God willing? Why is God willing to touch the creature That is so unlike him. Why is the holy and the pure and the perfect willing to touch something that is so opposite of him? Why? Well, it's not something that he discovered in the leper. It's something he discovered in himself. There's no explanation for it. Our Lord is moved because he has moved within himself to do so. 
and it is glorious. And we depend upon it. Psalm 103, verse 13 says, as a father shows compassion to his children, so God shows compassion to those who fear him. Lamentations 3, 22 says, his mercies are new. How often? <laughs> Every second day. Hope it doesn't happen on a leap year. <laughs> Every morning. His mercies are new every morning. What a beautiful thing to get out of bed, put your feet on the floor and say, Lord, there will be no shortage of supply of mercy for this day because the divine is willing. They never come to an end. The Lord never says, oh, I have a friend who was a bus driver in the day that people were supposed to pay to get on the bus. He he, people would always ask not to pay, and he would say, you know what, I, I just ran out of vouchers. I'm sorry. Depending on what mood he was in. Aren't you glad that doesn't exist in our Lord? Sorry, I just ran out of vouchers. <laughs> <laughs> the table that we ate and drank at today is an endless supply. Power. Our Lord not only has pity, but thank the Lord he doesn't pity as a human pities. He pities as God pities with power. Jesus touches the leper with a power. With a power that, guess what, who only possesses? When Moses was in the wilderness and saw the burning bush, and he asked God, who should I say sent me? Do you remember the story of the Lord? He says, Moses, put your hand in your pocket and pull it out. And Moses pulls his hand out. Leprous like snow. Remember, this is all in the context of who's doing the talking? Who are you? What is your name? What is your essential being? What should I tell these people? Moses, put your hand in. Leprous. Moses, put your hand back in your pocket and pull it out. It's clean. You see what's going on in this story to the people who knew their Bible? Wow. Nobody does that except Yahweh. And you see the connection to the temple <laughs> when he goes to the temple? <laughs> and the consternation? Well, Yahweh's supposed to be on the inside. What's he doing on the outside? God shows up with his power for one simple reason, to declare to the people who see it who it is that is there. God Almighty, nothing less than that, has arrived. When God shows up to show Pharaoh who he is, he displays his power, and he shows it with plagues, actually. And this is the reverse of the plagues. This is God Almighty showing up to declare his power, not to give a plague, but to remove the plague. Not to tear down a kingdom of Egypt, but to build his kingdom with his almighty power and the gospel. 
We don't wait until we're changed to come, but when we do come, the gospel has the power to change. That is the gospel of God. The gospel touch is a, is a touch of divine power for it to do and to do in us all that God requires. The power was immediate, and given the condition of the leper, it was necessary. It wasn't, it wasn't a facial. <laughs> it, wasn't a, it wasn't a wash. It was a transformation by the power of God. And that is, that is so necessary. You know, it is what sets Jesus apart in the gospel. Many people understand the gospel. Here's, here's another false gospel. Let's open the gospel stories. Let's read about all of the good ways that Jesus served people. And let's become followers of Jesus and do what Jesus did. Do you see the problem there? Jesus goes places where you can't go. Ultimately, it's the cross. But even here, he's going places where we can't go. We are not saved by serving Jesus. We are saved by Jesus serving us. And he serves us with power. An omnipotent power that is necessary. And it's only because he's moved within himself to do so. But we are dependent upon that power. And then those that are, 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 are saved by that power, by Jesus serving us, then the evidence of it, there's a consequence in our life where we go, oh, I should serve others. But that's not how we're saved. That's the evidence of the saved. Don't make the evidence the gospel. Because it's not. And you can never live it. Let Jesus be unique. Let him be alone. Let him serve you. With all that is in the Almighty. For our necessities. It's a, it's a marvelous thing, the gospel of God, isn't it? Truly remarkable. You see, people don't walk willy-nilly and wander into the kingdom of God. Oh, I think I'll go into the kingdom of God today. It requires the power of God. And it is that willing touch of God with power, not our own power. There, there's, there's nothing in the leper that is powerful. There's something in God that is powerful that heals and brings us into God's kingdom. And that is why we sing, don't we, and think often of the power of the cross. Because it's, it's by the humble sinner simply looking to the one that is on the cross, humbly saying, Lord, would you? That the power of God is delivered to do all that makes us unclean. But that's not only how the gospel of God begins. It how, it, it, that's, that's how you enter. This, this is the gospel and, and how people who've never heard the gospel, that's how they enter into the kingdom of God. But it's not only how the gospel begins, it's how the gospel thrives in our life. It's something I've had to learn through my Christian experience, that the gospel isn't merely for the entry gate, it's for the marathon. And it's the gospel that makes me live. Never doubt your need and your dependence and the willingness of God to touch you with both pity and with power. Come to him. Come to him often. Come to him expectantly. Come to him in whatever and all that your need is without doubting that he will never say to you 
if you come to him humbly, that I've lost the feeling somehow. We do that. Sorry, I just don't feel it anymore. I am the Lord who does not change. Or that you're simply beyond my power. You're a special case, aren't you? You're beyond my power. Well, people believe that about themselves. Who would want you to believe that? Joseph Hart wrote words that I cherish for a hymn. We don't sing it here, but uh, maybe someday. Come, you sinners, poor and wretched, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus ready stands to save you. Full of pity, joined with power. He is able, he is able, he is willing. Doubt no more. Purpose, pity, power, purpose. What's it all about, God? Why did you heal the leper? Why did you touch him? Why do you want us to know that you're full of pity and power? Jesus didn't want the leper only to feel clean. He wanted him to be declared clean and to have removed all of the laws that declared him unclean. Not for him simply to say, I'm clean but for the laws that declared him unclean to say, you are clean. Those are two very different things. <laughs> Not just to flip a sign over and say, I'm clean. But to him to hear it from the authorities in worship, offering up the things that Moses commanded. You can find those things in Leviticus chapter 14. And this stories, these two stories are, are deeply tied to each other where the lepers are brought to the temple, brought to the priest for examination. And so Jesus says, go. And here's the purpose of the gospel. To declare us to be clean by everything that governs and rules over what is clean and what is unclean, which is the law of God, which is just, which is perfect, and cannot be set aside, set aside, but can be uniquely, in one person only ever, satisfied. That's the purpose. This man not only needed to see his skin change, but he needed to see the laws of Moses that declared him unclean, removed. Not where he simply says, I'm clean, in his own declaration, but for the law to declare him legally clean. It's an amazing thing. See, Jesus didn't come to overthrow those rules and laws. He, he came to serve them and to fulfill them. 
And so with the gospel of God, it does not overthrow all of the laws of God that declare us unclean, justly so, righteously so. Rather, it satisfies all of the requirements of the law so that they can no longer declare us unclean. This is where the pity and the power goes. And that purpose shows why the pity and the power are so necessary. Because like the leper, under the laws of Moses, he was helpless. So also the sinner is helplessly unclean in the presence of God's holy and just law, from which we are powerless to release ourselves unless one is willing to give himself as satisfaction for all of those laws. And so Romans 8.3, as, as, as well as many other places, say that God in Christ, in Christ God has met all of the re righteous requirements of his law. It's, it's something to rejoice in. It, it really is, and it, it makes the church live. It, it, it's the breath of the church when we lay hold of these things and, and live by them and trust in them. But here's another false gospel. Because this is not the gospel that many people want. People want their respect. And people want their power. And so they want a gospel that respects their path in life and gives them power. And instead of humbly begging to Jesus, if you are willing, you can heal me, they say instead, Jesus, would you please get rid of those awful and oppressive rules? I don't like them. They make me feel shame, and they declare me unclean. I know it, and I want them to go away. If you are merciful, if you are powerful, you can make those rules go away. You see how Jesus did exactly the opposite? <laughs> Don't run from the temple. Go to the temple. But people don't want pity and power from God. They want approval from God. They don't want change. They want enablement. But that's not the gospel. That's not the gospel of God. The gospel of God is, from this leper, is that sin is not a past to be vindicated. Oh, let's find a safe place for you to live and, and let, let's make the best of it in the condition that you're in. Sin is not a past to be vindicated. Sin is a burden to be lifted. And our Lord does it perfectly. And that is the wonder of the gospel of God. The gospel touch through pity and power and purpose, not to be sent to the temple to offer a sacrifice. Rather, the gospel is this, that we have a sacrifice and we're not sent to the temple by Jesus. We're sent to the Father by Jesus. 
And we are told, go to the Father, and you will hear these words, you are clean, you are mine. Amen. And you will stand boldly in the presence of the Holy and the Almighty. Pronounced clean, a child of God, forgiven. I'm going to pray. If you'd like to have prayer with you this morning, there will be people who will come during the prayer. And we'll gladly pray with you uh, during the final song or after the final song. Uh, would you please pray? Lord, set the gospel, uh, Lord, in our presence. Help us to rejoice in it. Uh, Lord, forgive us for little forks in the road where we, we can take the wrong turn and it ends up being really in a different place. And so thank you for these stories. Thank you for the gospel of Mark. Thank you for Jesus as a central figure of himself being the gospel to us. And Lord, please bring us into your kingdom with all of these truths. Humble us, take away our pride. May your power be manifest in us and may we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, truly grasp your purpose in it. Pray it in Jesus' name, amen.